Welcome to the 201st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, our recap of the NBA playoffs so far, and our look at Major League Baseball. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we will start in the NBA, where Patrick went 0-4 with his weekend predictions. Similarly, in Major League Baseball, Patrick went 0-4 with his weekend predictions. So as simple math tells you, Patrick went 0-8 combined this weekend, but his overall record is 705 and 456, still above a 60% winning percentage at 60.7%. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Well, I had three different MLB predictions where uh, the team had a chance to win the series rubber match to win the series overall, and all of them lost. Um, And you would make the argument that well, maybe with the exception of the White Sox, but all of them were the superior team except the White Sox. Um, the Astros lost to the Rangers with Framber Valdez on the mound for them uh, going up against Andrew Heaney and no disrespect to Andrew Heaney because hey, he had a good year with the Dodgers last year, but he is not a better pitcher than Framber Valdez. Um, and the Astros just could not generate any run support for him. And then Hector Neris gave up a, uh, a grand slam out of the bullpen to Marcus Simeon. And that was kind of the end of that game. Um, But that lost the Astros, the series there. Um, In the Blue Jays-Rays series, I I, I said this to you off the podcast. I knew the Rays were going to lose at least a game in the series. They weren't going to keep going undefeated. Um, 12 or 13 is normally the number at which the longest win streaks of the season kind of rest around. And they were already at 12 heading into the series. But they were facing Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi. And then they had Shane McClanahan on the mound against Alec Manoa, who's had a rough start to the year. So I assumed that they would at least, even if they got the win streak broken, because Toronto, you know, was able to outscore them in one of those games. I thought that, or, I mean, I should say, I shouldn't say outscore, but really out hit them and, you know, in kind of a, a, a shootout, like a nine, seven type of a game. Um, but they didn't get the win off of Barrios or Kikuchi. They did get the win with McClanahan on the mound against Manoa. Um, but I assumed that they were going to win the battle of the aces with McClanahan and Manoa and they were going to at least get one game off of those pitchers for the Blue Jays that have really been struggling for over a year now. Uh, but they lost to both of them, so that ended up losing them the series, uh, and they lost the first two games of the series, obviously, because uh, those are the four or five guys in the rotation for the Blue Jays. So that series was over before Sunday. Um, the White Sox took a 3 to nothing lead in the first... Actually, no, a 4 to nothing lead in the first inning with Dylan Cease on the mound on Sunday. And I thought, okay, I'm at least going to get one win. But no, they could not hold a four to nothing lead with Cease on the mound. I don't think Cease gave up more than one or so earned runs, but some errors cost them. Um, and then the Orioles came back to tie it up at four to four. And then at a big inning, I think at the eighth, to end up winning that game nine to four uh, by the end score. I think they had three or four runs in the eighth uh, to push their lead out uh, to seven or eight to four. Um, and then the Dodgers, well, I posted about it on Twitter. I'm not going to go into it too much, but. The Dodgers had three strikeouts looking in the bottom of the ninth of a of a series winning game, and all the strikeouts looking were on balls. Um, and Jason Hayward actually had a walk twice that was that uh, on a three one pitch and a three two pitch, but both of them were called strikes despite being balls. So it's just you know when that type of thing happens. Honestly, as soon as I saw that, I just assumed that the Rangers were going to beat the Astros because it was just a sign that it wasn't my week. Um, after also, you know, 
the Cavs' inability to, to have anybody score besides Donovan Mitchell. That was another loss that I took. Um, the Kings beat the Warriors, but as we all know, I'm trying to reverse jinx the Warriors. I'm very out there about that. I don't really care. Um, I'll probably pick against the Kings in the second round as well, uh, unless they're playing the Clippers, because that would just be disingenuous for me to make that pick. Um, but if they're playing the Suns, I'm picking against them again. And if they win again, I'll be happy and I'll reverse jinx them again. And, I'm be, and I will be very, very happy about it. Um, but, you know, then the Lakers beating the Grizzlies. Well, I'll, I'll say this much. I picked all the teams that I had winning the series um, in this week, except for the Lakers. For some reason, I just thought that, you know, the Grizzlies were at least at home for game one, so they could win that game. But at the same time, I was thinking about it after I had kind of posted the predictions, and I was like, why would you have one team that you have losing in six win their first game at home, but not the other? Obviously saying that if I was going to pick the Grizzlies, I should have also picked the Kings. And if I was going to pick the Warriors, then I should have also picked the Lakers. But I split it down the middle and instead got both wrong. Um, and then the Clippers beating the Suns on the road was just a, a, a big surprise to me. Um, so I thought I could have gone three and one there, uh, barring that Clippers surprise there. Uh, but look, all of them were close games except for really the Lakers and the Grizzlies. And that's just the way the playoff rolls sometimes. Um, so I'll get a better feel for the series as they as they progress forward um, and hopefully pick them better this weekend. Okay, well, we can see whether you've picked them better this weekend after uh, a, a next podcast, but the predictions, the new ones that we hope will be better, are up uh, on Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. Um, well, speaking of the NBA and those predictions, talked about a little bit, let's move to our review of the beginning of the uh, of the NBA playoffs, starting in the Western Conference, where the number one Nuggets lead the number eight seeded Timberwolves 1-0. The Nuggets won game one, 109-80. to 80. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to say about this one. Um, this might be the only game that, I mean, frankly, I'll, I'll preview a little bit of the East for a second. I, I thought that the Sixers and the Nets was going to be the least close series. This series looks like it has taken over that mantle pretty easily. I mean, also the heat and the bucks, but we all know what happened with that. And I'll get to that later as well. Um, but look, th- while well, the Celtics Hawks is pretty bad too, but the Nuggets, they just came out and destroyed the Timberwolves. I mean, there is no there is no getting around it. The, the Nuggets just had no chance of losing this game at any point. Um, it it was I, I'm not gonna say it was over at halftime or anything like that, but they were kind of running away with it already. And that may be what happens throughout the series. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Edwards is able to come alive and Cat has a good game as well, and the Timberwolves sneak out a game or two there, here or there, but Jokic has a pretty decent record overall against Gobert, and I don't, I don't think that um, this is a great matchup for the Timberwolves, considering that you know one of their anchors is the rim protection that Gobert gives them. Um, but the Nuggets actually are good enough to have a player that can just outright dominate him, and it's not really going to matter his rim protecting ability. Um, so it's just a bad matchup for the Timberwolves. Um, the Nuggets are just a superior team. And that's clear right now. Um, and, you know, it, it, it looks like, um, I mean, we'll have to see what happens, but it just looks like the Nuggets are going to run away with it. Okay, well, let's move over to the number seven Lakers against the number two seeded Grizzlies. Yeah, the Lakers lead the Grizzlies one to nothing. Um, they won the first game 128-112. I was talking about the fact that the Kings would play the Suns or the Clippers in the next round. I forgot they're playing the winner of this series instead. Uh, but the same thing holds. I'll try to reverse jinx the Kings. It doesn't really matter who they're playing. 
Um, but look, the Lakers, I have said, um, I have them going to the conference finals. That is my prediction that I've posted. Um, I, I have the conference finals as the Lakers and the Suns. And it's looking about right, right about now, because John, well, except for the Suns, but John Morant is injured. We don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't know if he is going to be out for game two. I think that status is still yet to be determined, uh, but we will see soon. Uh, but the Lakers, I mean, four 20 point scores in this game and D'Angelo Russell, if he could have hit eight, like I think literally a three in this game would have been the fifth 20 point score that the Lakers had uh, Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves leading the way, combining for 51, I think, or 52. Um, and then LeBron and AD both didn't really have to do that much on the offensive end, although they both did score 20 pretty easily. But a very efficient 20 points from both of them. Um, and AD was dominant on the defensive end. I think he had seven blocks in this game. So the Lakers overall just played a really solid game, and they deserve to be up in the series. And that's the reason why they are. It's not because of John Morant's injury. They were playing well in that game before Ja got injured. And they continued to do so after he went out. All right, let's move to your reverse jinx. The uh, number three seeded Kings against the number six seeded Warriors, where the Kings are up 2-0. Well, this series is just, I mean, this series is crazy. Um, the Warriors, actually, I just said that I had the Lakers and the Suns. I don't think I do have the Lakers and the Suns. I might have the Warriors and the Suns, but that works too. Um, the Kings up 2-0 in the series, as you said. Um, they won the first game 126 to 123, won the second game 114 to 106. I mean, this series has been so entertaining for so many different reasons. It sucks that Draymond had to step on Demonis Sabonis' stomach uh, and make that the conversation about whether he should be suspended or not and have that be the conversation about game two. Because the fact of the matter is, you could make the argument that these two games have been the most entertaining games of the playoffs overall. Um, I would maybe put the Clippers and the Suns in game one over at least one of these two games. But that first game had so much action in it, so much offense. Uh, the Kings started off relatively slow in both games, but especially in the second half of game one, they just kicked it in a high gear. And in the second quarter of game two, the Kings were even able to get an even earlier start, um, uh, getting that jump start to kind of just explode on offense. Um, and just both games... Just dominant play by Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. Great shooting. That duo continues to look great. Um, it's all—it's even crazier to know that everybody on that team that's important is under, uh, is 26 or under, including Sabonis. If you, I think the only guy who's older than that is um, is Harrison Barnes. Um, so just a really young core. Um, and I was even surprised to see that Sabonis was that young. I knew De'Aaron Fox was young because he was really, really young when he was a one and done in Kentucky. Um, and I think he's been in the league seven years, so that would make him 25. But, you know, it, it's crazy to see how many contributions the Kings are getting from young players. Um, and, you know, including Davion Mitchell yesterday with the big three near the end of the game that was really kind of the dagger um, that sealed the game for the Kings. But just what an amazing series so far. Can't say enough about it. Very, very entertained. Um, and I will always be looking forward to the next game of the series not only as a fan of the Kings, but as a fan of the NBA, because this series has just been ridiculous already. And I can't wait to see what happens when the chase center environment um, gets into it. I mean, I, I don't think the Kings are going to sweep. I, I think that, you know, the Warriors are going to fight back. They're going to win some games at home as we've known. And as I've highlighted all season long, they have issues winning on the road. They have, they've had them the whole season. Um, they have, I think they put it up yesterday that they have the fourth worst record of a defending champion on the road of all time. And one of those is a, a team that had Michael Jordan after the last dance team and then didn't have him the next year. So, you know, 
the fact of the matter is the Warriors have returned enough production that they shouldn't be anywhere near uh, that kind of, you know, poor performance. But yet here they are. Um, and as a result, the Kings are taking advantage. They have a hot, hard home court advantage for sure um, to play up against. And the Warriors do too. So it'll be interesting to see how this series swings. Uh, if the Kings can get one of the games in Chase Center, though, this series is going to end way before game seven. I can guarantee that it'll probably end in five if the Kings are going to able if the Kings are going to be able to actually pull out a win on the road. Uh, but I'm not so sure the likelihood of them doing that. Yeah, uh, as you know, I'm not I, I like the NBA, don't love it. Not the biggest fan. I, I love this series. I love the style of basketball. Beautiful offense. It's just, as you said, really entertaining. Actually reminds me of the old Kings Lakers uh, battles back in the day when uh, the last time the Kings were were, were this good. Um, all right. The last time they were in the playoffs, not even this good. You should. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to rub it in too much, but uh, uh, <laughs> the drone is to... well known. Yeah, let's move to the last series in the West, the number five seeded Clippers leading the number four seeded Suns one game to zero. Yeah, this has by far got to be the, well, I was about to say it's got to be the biggest surprise of the postseason, but the next series we're going to talk about is actually definitely the biggest surprise. Uh, but look, the Clippers came out and they just played a better game than the Suns did. They got shot making when it mattered. Um, someone said that Russell Westbrook had the best three for 19 game of all time, but that's not true because he did have a game on the wizards where he had, I think 19, 24 and 12 or something like that on three of 19 shooting. I think it actually was the play in game when he was with Washington or it, or it was a playoff game. I don't know. It was one of the two. Um, but look, Russ made a few huge plays. He got the game winning block. Um, and before you say it was a foul, the last two minute report did say it wasn't a foul. I, I think. It's debatable. I think in the regular season, that probably gets called. I think not in the fourth quarter, that probably gets called. But at that moment, in that game, in the playoffs, mm -mm, not a foul. Um, so Russ, with the clean block to end the game, basically, uh, for the Suns or, or for the Clippers, um, you know, I think that was a learning moment for the Suns. For a team that's already been in the finals, this team still looks like they just have no playoff experience. And that's the one thing I can consistently say about them. Outside of Kevin Durant, it really looks like I, I don't want to say I don't want to say they get flustered in the big moments, but there's just something off when they get into the very late game scenarios. You know, just these the lack of of rebounding. It's like the simplest thing you can do in a basketball game. And yet they can't box out Russ. They can't box out Kawhi. You have um, you have Plumlee attacking the boards. You have Zubach attacking the boards. It's crazy how bad the Suns were at rebounding in this game. That is something that if they key in on and they actually are able to stop the Clippers from offensive rebounding so much, they, they shouldn't be able to lose this series. Um, but that falls on a lot of different players. It's not just something you can blame on only DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I talked about it. It's Russell Westbrook who's getting offensive rebounds. So the guy not blocking him out is either Devin Booker or Chris Paul, depending on who's guarding him on that possession. Um, and Russ basically won the Clippers the game by getting, I think, two or three extra possessions after they were trying to go for the dagger and they bled, I think 40 seconds off the clock and then made a shot um, that kind of sealed the game for the Clippers. So a very, very important start for the Clippers gives them some confidence going forward, uh, but we'll see how the Suns respond in game two. All right. That does it for the Western conference. Let's move over to the Eastern conference, starting with that eight, one matchup, the numbers eight seeded heat uh, leading the number one seeded bucks one zero. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest surprise of the playoffs. I don't know why I almost said the Clippers over the Suns was, um, but for sure, this one is the biggest one. I guess maybe the caveat to it is that Giannis exited the game pretty early on. Um, but at the same time, 
the Heat lost Tyler Hero in the middle of this game. Again, not going to make the argument that Tyler Hero was as important as Giannis. That's not even remotely true. But at the same time, the Heat are already at a huge talent disadvantage. So any advantage that they gain, if they're going to trade it back with losing a player of their own, it's not going to benefit them at all. Um, but yet somehow, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, dominated in the paint. Heat were able to get the win 130-117 to 117 over the Bucs in the first game. Uh, Giannis's injury situation probably will decide the series. If he's 80% for two of the games, the Heat are probably taking this to seven, and then it's really just a toss-up, honestly. Um, or they could even close it out earlier than that if he's not playing in a game or two. Um, and if he's at 90-something like that percent, he's he's healthy enough, but maybe on a little bit, you know, some technically, I guess the playoff version of restricted minutes, there's no real restrictions in the playoffs, but, you know, maybe playing 38, 39 minutes instead of probably his usual 40-plus, I feel like, in the playoffs. Um, that's maybe the one thing that the Bucks could hold on to. Um, if he's able to play that much, I still think they're going to win the series pretty easily. But he has to be on the – Giannis has to be on the court for them to win the series. They're not going to win it without him, um, in my opinion. Uh, Jimmy and Bam are a better duo uh, than Middleton and Holiday when you boil it down to those two. But if, again, if you have Giannis on the floor, that just swings it so much in the Bucks' favor. Um, so – It'll be an interesting series. Uh, we'll have to see what the injury updates are. I think we know that Tyler Hero was already out, but I don't know what the story with Giannis is. That'll be interesting to track as well with Hero. Um, how they replace his production. Does Duncan Robinson get more minutes? We'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, but this is going to be an interesting series, and it wasn't really projected to be one, so I'm very happy about that. Okay, let's move over to the number two-seeded Celtics, who lead the number seven-seeded Hawks 1-0. Yep, the Celtics won the first game 112-99. to uh, 13 points is not 13 points uh, being the final margin is not indicative of how not close this game was. The, the Celtics just crushed the Hawks. I mean, it is what it is. They were up, I think, 77 or 45 at some point or something like that. I know they had a 32 point lead and it was around that same mark. Uh, but this game was probably the only game in the playoffs that was truly over at the end of the first half. Um, you could argue that the Nuggets Timberwolves was just because of the talent discrepancy. But this one by the score was just over. I mean, there was no way the Hawks were going to climb back into this one at all. Um, and at the same time, I, I still think the Hawks could steal a game or two if Trey Young is able to kind of get hot, have a really good shooting game. Um, historically in the playoffs, he's not the most efficient shooter. But if he's able to turn it up for a game or two, then, you know, maybe the maybe the Hawks could steal one. At the same time, though, he could have a great game. And the Celtics duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could also have even better games. Um, and Trey Young doesn't quite have the co-star um, that the Celtics do when you're talking about Jalen Brown versus DeJounte Murray, uh, who's a great player in his own right, but I don't think he's as efficient of a scorer and as quality of a scorer as uh, Jalen Brown is. So the Celtics probably going to take this series. I think we all knew that uh, maybe earlier than most people thought, but we'll just have to see if the Hawks can uh, maybe build off something they might have found late in the game while trimming that lead down a little bit. All right, let's move our attention to the other series. Well, the other, the one of the two remaining ones, number three seeded 76ers lead the number six seeded Nets two games to zero. Well, the Nets, I'm not going to talk too much about this series, frankly, but the Nets have been closer than I expected. Um, the Sixers won game one, 121 to 101. The Nets had had some leads throughout the game. It was close um, heading into the fourth quarter, 
So I don't really think they've actually, I think they've probably outplayed expectations for most people. Um, they could steal a game in Brooklyn. I wouldn't be surprised. And they, it looked like they had found something with that small ball lineup in game two when they were leading the Sixers. But then the Sixers went on a 20 to five run spanning about five minutes that I think went half over the first half, the end of the first half, I should say, and half over the second half. And then all of a sudden, the Sixers just kept piling on and they end up winning by 12, but better defense from the Nets in the second game um, worked a lot. Well, worked a lot better playing that small ball lineup, uh, but we'll just have to see if they can carry that forward. But for now you can give them credit for outperforming expectations, but it still looks like the Sixers are at least going to be moving on beyond this round. You never know what happens with that team when they get beyond that. All right. And finally the number five seeded Knicks lead the number four seeded Cavs one zero. This was a very, very good game. Um, it really felt like, though, you could kind of see the inexperience in the playoffs from the Cavs outside of Donovan Mitchell. He had 40 points in this game out of the Cavs, 97. Um, but the fact of the matter is the rest of the roster doesn't have that much playoff experience. They traded away Kevin Love, who was obviously, a, or I guess maybe they might have bought him out and then he signed with Miami. I don't remember exactly what happened, but they don't have him anymore is the point. Um, he didn't really have a place in the rotation, but at the same time, the Cavs, their biggest problem is not something of the power forward. Um, they need to rebound and they need to guard Jalen Brunson. I don't know what they need to do specifically. This is why I'm not a head coach. And this is why I would never claim to be an NBA analyst at all. Um, but somebody needs to step up and guard Jalen Brunson because at the end of that game, he was just unstoppable. He was on fire for the Knicks, uh, clinching that game pretty much. Donovan Mitchell is as unguardable of a player um, as there is when he's really in his zone. And he was like that in this game. And for the Cavs to have a game where he goes off and scores 40 and still lose the game, and frankly, not even reach 100 points, it's just a really bad sign for the rest of the series. I think it'll still be close. These teams are going to trade games throughout the series. Um, I would have my money on this series going the longest out of any of them uh, at this point from what I've seen. Also because Julius Randle had an uncertain injury uh, kind of situation, and then all of a sudden he showed up and already played in game one. Um, looked fine. So... This is going to be an interesting series. Credit to the Knicks for winning game one. They crashed the boards just like the Clippers did, and that's going to be the Cavs' test going forward is can they do what I think the Suns need to do, which is just protect the rim better, get better rebounding, and guard the other team's star. That's something that is going to be very important is how they guard Jalen Brunson going forward. All right, well, that wraps up uh, our weekly look at the NBA for this week. Um, we will continue it next week, and as the playoff action really kicks into high gear. Um, let's turn our attention to Major League Baseball with our weekly review of Major League Baseball action, starting, as always, in the American League East. Well, of course, the Rays are still holding the best record in MLB um, and obviously the best record in the AL East. They lead the Yankees by three and a half games, although it's way too early in the season to be talking about games back uh, but the Rays are the only team to score more than 100 runs I believe the only team above 90 outside of them are well no there are three teams above 90 the Orioles the Red Sox and the Dodgers um, but look they have played really really well coming out of the gates I talked about them over the weekend um, what they did and then you know yesterday they had a rough game losing eight to one of the Reds so uh, you know a friend texted me and said how are the Rays getting shut out by the Reds? And I just feel like I remember from the Dodgers last year having a few big streaks. Sometimes when teams go on streaks, they just have a few duds the few games after. You know, the offense just doesn't click. Um, they're pitching just, you know, 
regresses to the mean a little bit. I'm not saying that the Rays are going to give up eight runs a game to teams like the Reds for the rest of the season. But the fact of the matter is there's 17 games in the season and they've only given up 50 runs. So somebody's going to have to score that on them at some point. Uh, so it's not surprising that it happened for a game or two. Uh, and I'll bet they'll get another winning streak going soon. They're still seven and three in their last 10, um, although they are one and three in their last four. But uh, they're going to get back on track pretty soon. And they're obviously going to be a playoff team um, for the Yankees and for the Blue Jays. Again, good offense for the Yankees and pretty good pitching as well. Actually, less runs allowed than the Rays have had this year. Uh, and a good run differential overall. Six and four in their last 10. Garrett Cole has been amazing to start the season. Um, I, I don't really think they have any structural issues. I just think that, you know, they're 10 and six. They're playing a good season. They just happen to be in a division with the best record in baseball. Um, that's just kind of a bad luck kind of a thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see them play some of the divisional opponents, though. I'm really looking forward to those series. They're also playing the Angels this week to get the old, uh, you know, it's funny. MLB is marketing it as the Otani versus Judge series, despite the fact that they're not even marketing potentially the best player uh, in baseball, Mike Trout. Um, so very, very interesting there. But that'll be a good series. That'll be a fun series to watch. I will be watching some of those games. Um, but there are a lot of good series everywhere. Um, and the Blue Jays, they are 10 and 7. They came off beating the Rays in their weekend series, six and four in their last 10. Uh, they have a negative run differential on the season um, and a lot of runs allowed, 89 on the season. So not great from their pitching staff. Um, I would say they're one of the worst, but I just saw a number that um, I will come back to later um, from a different team in the AL. Um, but the Blue Jays, they're treading water. They're doing fine. Um, they have a really good top four in their lineup with Varsho, Vlad Guerrero, Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette right now are all kind of on fire for them. So it'll be interesting, you know, once Alejandro Kirk gets going, once all those guys get going, how just how scary this lineup could be. Um, and it's just a really good lineup. I mean, it is what it is. So the Blue Jays, young, good lineup. They will continue to play well, um, especially if their pitching staff can kind of get it, get it together going forward, although we know that that might be the weakness of this team. Then you have the Orioles, who are 9-7, and seven, um, and the Red Sox, who are 8-9. and nine. Red Sox are looking okay. They're honestly a little bit better than I expected, but they're still probably going to end under 500 considering who else is in this division. The Orioles, on the other hand, they look like they're going to maybe be able to secure that final playoff spot. It'll be interesting because the two teams ahead of them in their division um, are obviously, or the three teams, I should say, are obviously going to vie for that spot as well. Um, whoever doesn't, out of whoever doesn't win the division. And then you have a team like the Rangers who's currently leading the AL West. So if one of those teams in the West uh, I mean, really, the West now has four quality teams as well, and then the A's. Um, but so it, it's going to be an interesting race at the end of the year. We'll definitely have to see uh, what happens with that. I think the AL has gotten deeper this year, and I think it's by far better uh, than the National League when you look at just overall talent and especially the depth factor. Uh, but the AL East is going to be a tightly contested division all year long, potentially send three or four teams to the playoffs. Well, given that uh, everybody's playing each other this year, we'll be able to actually test that um, with a higher sample rate, the American League versus National League uh, relative strength of teams. Let's move on to the American League Central. The Minnesota Twins are leading this division. That is normally the most boring division in baseball. Um, second place, you have the Guardians who are nine and seven. They are one game back. Surprisingly, two and four at home. Um, their pitching has been okay, probably middle of the pack in the league. But run production... Not great. Still better than the Twins, but the Twins have had Twins have a plus 18 run differential off, only allowing 45 runs so far this year. That is actually the best in baseball, and it's not really particularly close outside of the Rays and the Yankees who have allowed 
50 and 49 respectively. Um, so they're kind of in a league of their own when it comes to pitching. Their run production has not been great, but the fact that they are 10 and six without getting that much production is a good sign for later in the year, because even if their pitching starts to falter a little bit, I would assume that their hitting gets even better um, because they're averaging under four runs per game uh, in this 10 and six start. And then you got the guardians who have a minus two run differential, 74 runs scored, 76 runs allowed. They just need to get one of those things to start performing up to expectations, either the lineup, maybe the lineup is performing about up to expectations, but I think the lineup can elevate itself a little bit more and the pitching staff can also elevate itself a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you probably have the guardians leading this division. Then you have the bottom of this division. You have the White Sox who are six and 10. They are three and seven in their last 10. Uh, the Tigers are five and nine, although they have won three games in a row. That's because they play the Giants. Um, and then the, you got the Royals. That team is just awful. I mean, it is what it is. They somehow have a better run differential than the Tigers with more runs scored and less runs allowed. Uh, but at the same time, they're three and seven in their last 10, and they've lost four in a row while the Tigers have won three in a row. Um, and it looks like the Royals will be contending for the basement dweller award um, besides the Oakland A's. Okay, well, speaking of uh, the Oakland A's, let's move over to the American League West. Yep, the only team I'm not going to talk about in the AL West is are the Oakland A's, but actually I'll start with them for about 10 seconds. You can count me down if you want. They've allowed 135 runs this year. I was talking about the fact that the White Sox pitching uh, wasn't that great, you know, that the Blue Jays pitching was one of the worst in the league, and then I said, but I found another number that was staggering. That's the number I was talking about. 135 runs allowed, a minus 72 run differential. For reference, the Rays, after starting 13 and 0 and are now 14 and 3, their run differential is plus 65. So, as good as the Rays are, the A's are as bad as the Rays are good, if that makes sense, to start the season. One and nine in their last 10 have lost five in a row. This team is awful, but we already knew that. Uh, but let's go to the top of the division, the Rangers. They beat the Astros in a series over the weekend um, and also won their game yesterday. So they are 10 and six, two games ahead of the Angels, who are in second at eight and eight. Uh, they won a game against the Red Sox yesterday morning uh, in Boston. Uh, and then the Astros are eight and nine and the Mariners are, are eight and nine. I think both of them will figure it out. It's obviously very interesting to see that the projected top two in this division are currently third and fourth and the projected third and fourth teams are top two. Uh, but they're still close. There's still a lot of time left in the season, although. It's crazy to think that we've already seen 10% of the MLB season go by. I mean, it feels like there's no way it's been a 10th of the season, but yet it has. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this division goes throughout the year. Uh, for now, Rangers on top, Angels, Astros, Mariners still sitting behind them. Okay, well, let's move over to the National League starting in the East. Yep, the Braves are the only team who are contending with the Rays for the best record in baseball. A plus 26 run differential. They have won seven games in a row to bring them to a 13-4 and record. Um, just a really, really good start for them. Uh, they they had some rough moments at the beginning, but still they were six and four, I think, at their pretty much their lowest point. Um, and now all of a sudden contending for best record uh, in the league. Definitely the lock um, in the NL in terms of one of the better teams. Um, then you have the Mets, who are 11 and six. They're also hot right now. They've won five in a row. They actually have a better record in their last 10 games than the Braves do. And they get the fortune of playing the Dodgers without Will Smith. Um, Dodgers not really having much depth in their lineup right now, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but the Mets able to win five in a row, challenging the Braves at the top of the division. Again, it'll be a very interesting race, uh, uh, for another year. Uh, and it looks like there isn't really a third player in it because the Marlins are currently in third at nine and eight, two games back in the Mets. 
four back of the Braves with a minus 25 run differential somehow. But they've played well, and Sandy Alcantara hasn't even had a great start to the season. So if he's able to get it going, they will be a little bit better than this. Um, but at the same time, you have the Phillies, who are 6-10, six and ten, six and a half games back in this division. They were supposed to be the ones to challenge the Mets. And if they're going to start this poorly, I just don't think they can recover when you think about how much more talented the Braves and the Mets are. Um, even though the Mets don't have Edwin Diaz, you know, there's some injuries for them too. But the Phillies don't have Reese Hoskins for the whole year. They don't have Bryce Harper until probably at least the All-Star break. So I just don't see how this team's going to dig itself out of, out of the hole if they don't do it really, really soon. They probably need to get to at least, you know, get above 500 before they reach 15 losses, get to like 15 and 14, something like that. Or else it's going to be really tough to catch up to those top teams in the NL East. And then you have the Nationals at the bottom of the division, 5-11. and 11. Not as bad as the A's, but still pretty bad. All right, let's move over to the Central. In the Central, you have the Milwaukee Brewers at the top. Although, surprises um, throughout the rest of the division because the Cardinals are at the bottom. I'll get there in a second. The Cubs, fresh off winning a weekend series against the Dodgers, are 9-6, and six, two games back of first place. And the Pirates are 10-7. and seven, two games back of first place. They split a weekend series with the Cardinals, who are 7-10 and 10 on the season, five games back in the last. And in between the Pirates and the Cardinals, you have the Reds, who are 7-9, and nine, four and a half games back of that divisional lead. Uh, but look, Cardinals, only team in this division with a negative run differential. Their problem is their pitching. Their offense hasn't been as good as it was supposed to be, um, barely scoring above four runs per game. But at the same time, that pitching staff just has to get it together. I mean, there's no way that their offense can carry them through uh, their pitching being, you know, middle to bottom part of the league. Um, That is kind of the downfall of this team, though. We know for a fact that this is a team built off of offense, and when their offense doesn't produce at an elite level, they won't be a good team, and that's kind of their long-term concern. They're going to need to get better pitching at the deadline. Uh, We'll see if they're able to do that, pull that off successfully. But in the meantime, credit to the Cubs, credit to the the Pirates for uh, taking advantage of the Cardinals being a little bit down. And starting off the season well with the new look rosters for them as well. Um, and also credit to the Brewers, obviously, because everybody doubted them in the offseason, myself included, um, saying that the Cardinals were so good. And yet here they are at the top of the division two or two and a half weeks into the season. Yeah, well, let's move to another division with somebody who deserves a little credit for being at the top of the division that a lot of people didn't expect. Let's go to the National League West. Well, no one expected them at the top of the division, but I certainly expect them to be a factor. Um the Arizona Diamondbacks are leading the NL West at 10 and seven. They actually have the worst record of a divisional leader, which is something to note because typically the NL West has the best record of a divisional leader because the Dodgers normally have an insane record at pretty much all points of the year. Um, but the Diamondbacks seven and three in their last 10, they took five of eight from the Dodgers to start the year. Um, and they deserve a lot of credit for how well they've played. Um, they are a good team. They're a young team. They are a fun team to watch. They steal bases. They're really made for this, I won't say this era of baseball, but the pitch clock rule changes and the and the the uh, the bases getting bigger, they really benefited this team because that was going to be their identity going into the year, regardless of what the rules are. Just, you know, getting singles, stealing bases, and then using the the power that they have in the right situations, not when there are guys on base, hitting it the other way when guys are on base, just putting the ball in play, using their speed. Um, but then the pitch clock rules and everything, and and obviously um, the bigger bases. I mean, this team has just gotten an instant upgrade um, from those rules, and I'm glad to see a young team playing so well, just like the Pirates, same record. A very young, fun team to watch. Um, and then you have the Dodgers struggling. 
I mean, there, there's no other way to put it. The Dodgers are struggling right now. Um, I've put out about, you know, 100 tweets so far um, about this team. So if you want to see my full opinion on that, I'm not doing it here. Uh, but three and seven on three and seven in the last 10 games, just, you know, there was a solid start to the season, five and two to start the season um, after a rough two and two start with the Diamondbacks. But then as soon as they got to that five and two point after having the mini sweep of the Rockies and beating the Diamondbacks in game one of a four game series, they lost the rest of the series to the Diamondbacks. They did take two of three um, in San Francisco, but then Cubs came into LA, took two of three from the Dodgers. And then also now the Mets taking the first game of the series. Something that's surprising is that the Dodgers are only five and five at home, typically one of the better home teams uh, in the league. So that's a big surprise to start out the year. Um, and honestly, given the opponents, it's not something that should be happening, but the Dodgers just need to get healthy. They just need to get Gonsolin back. They need to get Will Smith back from his small IL stint. And then maybe we can really start to judge where this team is. Uh, then you have the Padres who are eight and 10, four and six to start the season, or sorry, four and six in their last 10. Fact of the matter is, um, Fernando Tatis is like 12 for his last 14 or something in AAA with like eight home runs or something ridiculous like that. So they're getting reinforcements very, very soon. I believe his suspension ends and he'll be able to play either on Thursday or Friday this week. I know he already joined the team in, in San Diego. Um, he might actually be able to play sooner than that, but it's sometime this week, I'm pretty sure. Um, so they will be uh, they will be a factor soon. They will probably get it together if that if he can bring a, a, a jolt of energy to that team. Uh, they don't really have any problems, to be honest. They're going to figure it out eventually, just like the Dodgers will. Um but then you have the Giants who are 5-10. and 10. They're not going to figure it out. This team just got swept by the Tigers. That's all you need to know. Um, they just have not been good yet this year. Their lineup is not potent enough to be a contender in this division, and that just kind of is what it is. Their pitching is okay. Uh, but beyond the top guys, you know, Camilo Duvall, uh, Logan Webb, there's not much there. Um, so the Rockies in the finally getting to them in the bottom of this division, 5-12 and 12 on the season. They have lost six in a row. Only team besides the A's to give up more than 100 runs, although at least they play at Coors Field, so they have a little bit more of an excuse. But a poor start for them. Probably going to be a poor finish to the year as well because they can't contend with any of the other teams in this division, um, especially that top three of teams. All right, that wraps up our weekly look at Major League Baseball. It also wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, April 25th, where we will recap Patrick's weekend predictions, have our weekly look at the NBA, have our weekly look at Major League Baseball. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games that will be posted as always on Thursday, and his Major League Baseball power rankings that will be updated every Wednesday. That's on our website, 4thand24.com, the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.